men's lack of emotion is often replaced with euphemisms like oh tough and strong mm-hmm. and it, I think it enables the behavior of like in being insensitive and lacking in humanity but that's sort of rewarded yeah definitely. whereas for women it's it's the opposite welcome to the brown don't frown podcast with your host Tanya Hardcastle we're here to engage in a thoroughly inclusive conversation with women from different backgrounds shaped by our cultural racial and social experiences we share our stories good evening fellow podcast listeners i'm joined by the wonderful heather waterfield thank you so much for coming (laughs) hi thank you for having me (laughs) but today we have decided to talk about grief uh, as both of us have lost a parent Um, and it's something i guess that's quite personal to us both isn't it really yeah, definitely. And something that's, um, I think, doesn't really ever come up. Yeah, I think it's very hard to talk about with, with people. People avoid these types of conversations. Yeah, I definitely avoid it. And I know some people, like friends and family, try and avoid it. Yeah. Um, and it's something that you never really get over. So even when, like, I think when you first lose someone, I don't know if you had the same experience. Fresh. But, yeah. like, everyone around you, well, most people around you are really understanding. And, yeah and really like talk to you and ask how you are and then after a few months no one asks you yeah it sort of fizzles out doesn't it yeah this whole concept of moving on and getting over it it's just if you haven't lost someone I think it's really hard to sort of grapple with what that what it means to lose someone until you've experienced it and that's when you realize that you can never get over it you can't ever actually move on you just learn to live with it and I think that's something yeah Yeah. I feel the same way it's something that I saw this quote years ago that said the same thing. It's like, you know, you never truly get over someone or go over something. You just learn to live with it in your life and learn to live with the pain. Yeah. Um, And I think part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this particular topic is because I think as women, historically, we are held accountable by this stereotype that we should be emotional, we should be soft, you know, we should cry. And I feel like when we don't live up to that expectation, we're sometimes labelled as icy, as cold, as heartless, as emotionless. And I feel like men don't get the same treatment. It's the opposite, isn't it? Like they're expected 100%. to be hard. And Yeah, it's so true. I think it's these old fashioned stereotypes of how men and women should be. It's just so completely old fashioned and based on when men were the breadwinners and- <laughs> You know, and it's just like, well, actually, it's okay for some men to be the to be more feminine, or yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's so many people, especially the older generation, that just still think it's just that stiff upper lip mentality. I think, yeah, it, with exactly. anything. Yeah. You know, I know my my grandparents haven't really um, accepted, or even they just don't talk about the fact that their son died. You know, and that's three years your ago. Your dad. Yeah, said, yeah, my dad. Um, he died. He passed away three years ago. So, um, yeah, it's weird seeing yeah. pe- different people's reactions yeah. in your family. And did you find that? I mean, my mum died. Uh, my biological mum, because I do actually have an adoptive mum as well. And I think people get quite confused. They're like, "Oh, hang on, I thought your mum died. How, who are you referring to as your mum?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I do have another mum." But yeah, my mum died when I was 10. My brother was seven, um, just before he turned eight. And yes, I mean, for about two or three weeks after she died, there were people in our house constantly coming in and out. Mm. Like It was constantly a stream of people. And it was just so much sadness, so much crying. So overwhelming, isn't it? It was really overwhelming. People were bringing food. Um, and the house was like constantly packed. There were just like a million people. You know, when I I woke up whenever I'd go down to the li- downstairs, the living room, there'd be like a million random people I didn't really know very well. Mm-hmm. And like friends of friends, relatives of relatives. And I just felt like it was a bit impersonal. Yeah. But I think because I was so young, it's not something that I registered. But I feel like if it happened now, I'd probably find 
that it would give me even more anxiety mm, I think than it, if I was on my own. I can imagine you're right. I think it's kind of the opposite thing that you mm. need after someone's done it. We, yeah, I guess people just want to be there for you. Yeah, it's true. But actually, really, I think it, you could probably help. It helps them being there for you a little bit after you've had some time to kind of yeah, definitely process um, it. But, yeah, one thing that really helped uh, myself and my brother is our two cousins at the time. So close, at the same age. We did everything together. So the fact that they were there, you know, they didn't go to school for about a month um, because they just basically hung out and supported us. Oh, and amazing. they were such an amazing distraction when, you know, after, after my mum died, the fact that we were doing stuff together. Yeah. That really reassured, I think, both myself and my brother and, like, gave us that sort of something else to think about, I guess. Yeah. How old were you when your dad passed away? I was 21. Yeah. And my sister was 16. Yeah. And so I think there was it was really difficult. It was much harder for her, I think, for me, because I was working and I wasn't even living at home at the time. So it was a pressure to get back to work. Yeah. And otherwise, I'd lose my house in London. And, you know, it was just a rented yeah, room. But yeah. it felt like if I lost that, it was like I'd be giving up on my, on my life. And I didn't yeah. think that that's what your dad my dad would want. Yeah. So it was kind of, I didn't really allow myself very much time to yeah. to get over it. But I think yeah. it helped me. Even yes. though, even yes. at the time, I think I felt like, yeah. you know, maybe I was like, you know, maybe it was something I should be spending more time, you know, grieving and sitting around and being yeah, sad. Yeah, you do feel but a I bit think, guilty, don't you, sometimes? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a similar thing as well, because more recently my grandmother passed away and it was, I was the same as you, so I, obviously I went home up north, which is where she was, where she died, because she was living with my parents at the time, and... Mm-hmm. I was there for a few days, but then I immediately was like, because I just started a new job as well, and I was like, oh, I need to come back. I need to, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose this job. And obviously, my work at the time completely supported. They're like, yeah, take as long as you need. But for yeah. some reason, I just didn't let myself have that time. I just thought I need to go back to work, yeah, I and I just didn't let myself grieve, basically. And it's, I think it's because I already went through the process with my mum. I just thought, oh yeah, instead of me being so depressed, which I was, you know, at that young age, um, yeah. now that I was older, I sort of felt like I had to be strong and. Because obviously my mum was in absolute pieces and yeah, it was a very tough time. Uh, but I just felt like maybe if I don't talk about it, it's not happening sort of thing. I think you know? I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, yeah. It really depends on who you are, I suppose, because I definitely felt the same that like, I think it sounds like you made the right decision in some ways because it's like, you know, otherwise you can't do anything. It kind of consumes yeah, you 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you're, it's like... busy you can't half grieve you have to be like fully in it and I think if you're like if it's too soon after it's just too painful to feel those emotions I mean I know I felt that like it even though I knew that probably I should still be letting these emotions through like deep down I think it's like I knew that at some point it would still I would still feel that you know it's not going anywhere that it's not going anywhere it will never go away that's the thing it never goes away it'll always be there and it changes you as a person as well I think definitely um but at the same time, it is really important to grieve on your own terms. So like, I noticed my cousin when my, my granddad passed away, which was like five, six years ago now, uh, she didn't cry at all. Uh, and she said to me, oh, I think people probably think like I'm a horrible person because I haven't cried. Mm. And at, at that point, I thought, oh, yeah, it's actually true. Like, why has she not, she hasn't cried like a drop. And I found that really strange. Um, but now I look back on it, I thought, why did I judge her? Like, mm. everyone grieves differently. How do I know she didn't cry when she got home, when True. she was on her own? Exactly, yeah. And people show, you know, depression or, or sadness in, in different ways. And some people just don't manifest it towards yeah. to others because they feel like, oh, I'd rather keep it private. 
Mm. And other people are like completely hysterical. Like my grandma, I remember when my mum died, and obviously it's her daughter, so she was like absolutely hysterical. But I can't imagine losing like a child, like my own child. Oh my god! Uh, I, I mean, neither of us have kids, thing. but I feel like that would just be. Horrible. Yeah, I yeah. can't imagine how that feels. I mean, I think it's yeah. I mean, obviously, I've seen it with my grandparents. Yeah. And, but I think a lot of the time the way they deal with it is, you know, I think because it's just so painful, I don't think it's really something that they can open up them, themselves to. And I think they know the facts, they know he's not around and they talk about that, but they don't really go deeper because I think it's just it's just too painful to think, you know. Yeah. So just, what about, like, death anniversaries? Do they not want... Do you talk to the day of? They did, um, they did message me on, on the day. And, yeah. But I think at the time, you know, a bit like you, I think I just put it out of my head. So mm. I, when I got a message from my sister and from my grandparents saying, you know... Sorry, thinking about you on this sad day. And yeah. I think I just, I hadn't even thought about it. Because, you hadn't thought about it, yeah. No, because I think his, his birthday was a few days before and I thought about that day because it's a more... It's, it's a nicer way day. to think, yeah, than a death anniversary. Yeah. yeah, I remember people, like, people who have died through, like, memories, uh, good memories with them. I don't think about, oh, this is the time they died. Thing. So, like, when it was my mum's death anniversary last month, I just didn't, I tried to avoid thinking about it. I think, yeah. And I didn't really tell anyone. I, th- I told my partner um, a couple of days before, and then on the day, or I think the day before he asked me to remind him again, I just I just regretted even telling him in the first place for some reason. I just thought, why did I even tell him? Because now mm. he, like, wants to know about it. Yeah. it's It makes it harder to talk about it. It's like yeah, you say, yeah. it's... it's I preferred to remember the good memories, not not the death. Yeah, because you know, that's really really difficult to. Because yeah. you just you want to celebrate their life, not you know think about think the reason why they're not here. It it definitely is a defense mechanism. And when I was younger, I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want people to have a pity party. Like for me, I just mm. felt like and and I think you mentioned before that a lot of the time if you're in a place of work and. You're, in your profession it's it's hard to show emotion because you're worried that someone might think it makes you vulnerable and you know less yeah. capable of doing your job or something exactly yeah I definitely felt that kind of pressure to just stay strong and because not... you were working weren't you when it happened yeah because yeah. yeah. as I um as I said after I think I was off for about a month after he passed away yeah and then I went back to work and it was just a very low paid job and nothing special but I think I did that for a few months because obviously I wasn't really in a place to do anything else but I think after a while I didn't really have any money so I needed to go for something that was you know better paid yeah. and then after that that was where the pressure came you know it's like I've got this better job now and I can't let on how I'm really feeling right even yeah. though the company I was working for were actually supporting um you know the same cause that my dad died from it was kind of I wanted to talk to them about it but I felt yeah. like at the same time if I talked to them they'd think oh wow this happened to you not long ago oh can we trust you to, yeah you know do all the job that for fear, us? isn't it and it was even worse at my next job that I got after that because it was like, it was a lot of responsibility. And every time I failed or did something wrong or got upset, I think I just felt like they might they, they judge might me. Touch upon and, that. And yeah. I remember my boss once said to me, you know, I'm worried about your mental health when I was sad one day. And I was just like, wow, you just don't understand what it's like at all. Yeah. Did yeah. you get that as well when you were? She died 15, 16. How long has it been? Yeah, 16 years ago. So it's very remote 
to me compared to um, for you. I remember when I was going to school because I had to move schools after my mom died because um, I ended up living with my aunt and uncle who are now my adopted adopted parents. And so therefore, because I had to move with them, they lived in South London, I had to move schools. But I remember like crying at school, just my parents having a word with my teachers saying, oh, you know, she's very vulnerable right now and stuff like that. Mm. And I don't know whether he told other people in my class, but I remember like sometimes leaving the classroom just to like have a cry. And I just feel like so guilty for crying. I just think, why couldn't I be like all the other kids, like normal mm. and not crying? So I guess that sort of stayed with me for a while. I mean, I think grief and losing someone at any point in life is absolutely tragic. But if my mum had died when I was a bit older, a teenager maybe, or in my 20s, I don't know if I would have dealt with it in the same way I did when I was a 10-year-old. Because I think when you're so young, you have so much support around you. I think when you're an adult, mm. it, people don't... It's not like they don't support you as much, but I think... You're expected to just get... To just get... Yeah, on. yeah. I've not had a mum for longer than for how long I did have a mum. Yeah. So 15 years of my life, I've not had a mum, whereas the first 10 years I did. So it's like... Yeah. I've learned to cope with it a lot better, but I don't talk about it with many people. I don't talk about it with my adopted parents. I don't talk about it very much with my brother. Do your adopted parents ever want to talk yeah. to you about Well, my mum messaged me on, on the day of my mum's death anniversary, you know, just saying, you know, today's the day. Um, I just felt a bit weird that she did that because I don't know if she she thought, like, that I'd forgotten or yeah. something. Do you think I would forget that? Like, I obviously wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I found it a bit offensive, but obviously I didn't say anything to make her feel as though, you know, I was upset with her. No, uh, they don't really know how to deal with it then or how to speak to Maybe they don't. It. I mean, there are so many different elements to it. I mean, I wish I did speak to my brother about it a bit more because obviously he's the only other person I can he, who can relate to me. I think it is, again, the difference between men and women. I think men's lack of emotion is often replaced with euphemisms like, oh, tough and strong. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it enables the behaviour of like in, being insensitive and lacking in humanity, but that's sort of rewarded. Yeah. Definitely. Whereas for women, it's it's the opposite. Mm. So maybe that's the reason why he's you know not as open. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think most men find it really hard to open up about their emotions, but I think it's it's mainly because of, you know, I guess that those stereotypes and the way that men react if you mm. open up, you know, most, you know, this male bravado and kind of toxic masculinity and just yeah. how any guy that sort of shows any emotion is just weak Labeled. you know they, they're it's just you're not being a man you yeah. know it's that man up why are you showing emotion but actually yeah. there's nothing wrong why should there be anything wrong with that you know but I think there's a lot of people talking about progressive masculinity and how you know it's actually okay for men to just be the stay-at-home dad and it doesn't always have to be and for women to go out and be the breadwinner you know yeah I think things are changing Role reversals but I still do think that most people react in the same way and still think that men should, you know, be the strong one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that expectation, I think. I don't think it's really going to go away. I think it's because of, you know, it's, it's become fatal for men, really, to, to actually be holding in their emotions. You know, I think for many Especially years it was just health. people don't didn't talk about their mental health. They still really don't, most people. No, they don't. But I think, obviously, if um, they 
you know, now I think people open up the conversations, but in the, that's literally been in the last two, three years. Yeah, like it's our, very recent. So literally, yeah, yeah. Our, I remember a few months after my dad died, things started happening, and I think there must have been this like rock bottom period where there were so many male suicides, young, yeah. of young men between I think it's eighteen to forty or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just unbelievable the amount of men. Definitely, you know, happens with women too, but it's a lot easier because women you know naturally like to open up and talk about it. and there's so much more support for women I think yeah from charities and societies and generally people are a lot kinder to women I think for men it's a lot harder and that's just exemplified when you look you go out on the streets and there are homeless men but hardly any homeless women and there is that double standard there yeah I mean it's I've kind of heard a lot a few people say that it's kind of and I do believe it's true I think this kind of these stereotypes and this mentality it comes from past generations I think it's something that's been left over from kind of post-war yeah and I think obviously men were so damaged by the things they've seen and they you know but they're coming back and everyone's telling them or making them feel like they should be grateful because they're home yeah telling them to get on with it yeah just get just carry on with your lives even though the things you've seen have been unbelievable you know and they couldn't talk about it and I think it Obviously, a lot of these people have got trauma, PTSD, they've yeah. you know, depression, but they just had to carry on and not talk about it. No, yeah. It's unbelievable. But I think yeah. that's still uh, yeah. kind of the reason why um, I've been talking about kind of the to- toxic masculinity and the um, sort of the men committing suicide is, yeah. um, you know, the mental health in men. And that's the reason why is because my dad actually uh, took his own life. He'd been battling for all his life, really, with bipolar. Um, and manic depression so I think you know and alcoholism as well but I think they come tight you know they obviously come hand in hand yeah they they? do it's um self-medication it's a coping mechanism isn't it exactly I mean I didn't even really know what he was going through really that's the the shocking thing that someone could be going through stuff like this and you know you don't realize how serious it is yeah. You know, I never knew it was at that point where he actually didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of guilt left over when yeah. someone, especially, well, I mean, I'm sure it's the same, you know, with most people, but the things you wish you'd said, but then especially when when you find out that they didn't think anyone, they thought people would be better off without them. Yeah. You just you just wish, you know, why didn't I just pick up the phone and say, are you okay and talk you through yeah. it? But I think, you know, with an illness like that, it was it wasn't something you could just talk I haven't met many people that have dealt with it, mainly because people don't talk about it. Do you think it was it is because of this to- toxic masculinity breeding society that we live in that made your dad think, oh, it's not worth me talking about it because no one will take me seriously? Uh, I 100% believe that. I mean, well, I believe that society kind of has basically made it seem that you know, it's a, it's a bad thing to have a mental health problem. And obviously it's not a good thing. No. But, it, you know, to talk about it and, you know, to be weak, to show your your, your weakness human. and, yeah. you know, your vulnerabilities, you know, it, it's been bred into them that they think that, well, we can't do, we can't talk about how we feel. We can't say I'm feeling this, this sad, you no. know, I have to, because obviously, well, for him it was the same. He had a job and he didn't tell anyone at his workplace about it. And there was a reason for that, you know, whatever that may be, he obviously didn't, want them you know same thing that I felt probably that he thought that they probably wouldn't want him around if they knew he had this problem yeah and and like you said you know the whole mental illness stigma has lessened only over the last couple of years yeah Yeah. so it's only a recent thing like for our generation I think Mm. things are changing I still think it's not perfect but no that's the problem I think it's just the 
men that grew up in this time and you know sort of around 50 year old men they've still got this pressure because all the people around them and their families and their parents are very you know there's stigma around it you know it's a massive stigma to you know I remember him well he didn't say it to me but he said it to my mum he didn't want people to think less of him right that was his words you know and it's but why would they? You know, there must be some reason we thought that everyone would think less because of him. Because of how society has dressed up, yeah. how he should behave as a man. Yeah. That's, that's a sad fact, isn't it? And in a lot of ways, women are sort of mirroring that sort of nature because there is this whole superwoman type persona that we're seeing a lot of women carry, holding it all together, you know, being working mums, you know, having a career, having children, dealing with grief, dealing with loss of parents and grandparents and things like that and I mean do you think that's something that is going to continue because of social media there is this perception that we need to live perfect lives I think I feel like that is changing because I just don't think it's really that's not sustainable yeah it's not sustainable no yeah I think you you know we all and obviously it doesn't help when someone's feeling down I think it's probably worse to go on social media and see everyone with these perfect lives and think why am I like this why am I alone in the world and not the only one dealing with this yeah so if you go on there and go on social media and you see someone that you really admire talking about their weaknesses that could actually really help you. And you yeah, could think, actually, yeah, well, yeah. if this person's dealing with that yeah. and they got through it, then I can as well. Yeah. Like we said about the older generation, they're dealing with it because of the stigma. I think people now, younger people are dealing with it, women and men, girls and boys, because of the pressures that they, they're, you know, from everything around them. Because we're so more connect, we're so connected compared to what we used to be. And people's lives are yeah. so transparent. Yeah. Do you think we should embrace our humanity and be more open when it comes to showing grief I mean I think it is down to personal choice at the end of the day and Mm. I think as we both discussed we're both quite private when it comes to grief and showing emotion about losing loved ones Mm. but in general do you you think I would in an ideal world I would 100% want to be more open yeah but I think reality has never really been really helped me with that because I think when I've always been more open I think than most people would be with Mm. what I've experienced yeah and I think most people, because obviously there's a stigma around it, there's also wanting to protect my dad from that story. Right. But also I feel like if I tell people about it, then it may stop, so it may help someone else. Yeah. Because I've, yeah, I've yeah. spoken to people that have said, oh, my dad did the same thing. Right. You know, I've met a girl, a woman who dealt with that, and we never even spoke about it, but I just knew that, and that's what... That's what brought that's you what, closer. Yeah, as in she just, she told me that. We've never spoken about it since then, though, yeah. but I think it probably... It helps to know that you know, other people have dealt with that. And I think yeah. even just speaking to people, you know, I know at work speaking to people, I found it really hard. People just didn't know what to say. And in general, yeah. people didn't know what to say. Yeah. But I think... That's really interesting that you mentioned, because I've never mentioned it to any... Apart from, like, when I've gotten to know someone on, like, a personal, individual level, then I'll maybe drop it in, mm. say something about it if it comes across in conversation. But I've mm. never, like, talked about it. This is the thing. And I think what separates us in this scenarios because you're for you you're, you lost your dad so much more recently than I lost my mum yeah so I think it's a lot more um I don't know more. current for you to talk about yeah yeah and I yeah. think if I share my story I mean who knows it could help it could save help someone, someone else yeah. and that's how I feel about it but that's I a think, really good way to look at it I think definitely yeah. and I think I can't shy away from talking about it because that's what help makes these things worse you know yeah 
and opening up these conversations for people because you never know who you're in a room with and at yeah. the end of the day most people aren't going to have dealt with anything like that or yeah. they might not be dealing with yeah, I was going to ask you anyone, yeah, what, but what are people's reactions when you tell them they kind of would just say oh I'm sorry and that's kind of it yeah you know? I mean how do you feel about that sort of reaction would you want someone to be more engaged or do you at the same time because I appreciate that sometimes it can be really awkward for someone to someone that you don't know very well or just even friends if yeah. you mention it they're just like they just don't know how to respond yeah. they don't want to offend you but, but I think it, I it's think nice it's, to have someone engaged I think, think it's really yeah I think it's really weird when people don't know what to say and, you know no <laughs> offense to anyone who you know struggles with that because I know if you haven't dealt with that then fair enough yeah but if you don't if someone's opening up to you and telling you their story or their you know their father's story or their mother's story um, then obviously they're open to, talk, to talking about it. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. they wouldn't have brought it they up. They wouldn't, yeah. Because if you wanted to deal with it just solo on your own, you would. But if you're talking to someone about it, then I think, I mean, obviously, like, it is really hard and you don't want to hurt someone. But And if it's just, like, an accidental thing, like someone says, oh, like, what are you, are you spending Father's Day with your dad this weekend? Yeah, and you go, oh, like, well, oh. No, I don't have a dad. <laughs> oh, then obviously God. that's a very awkward situation. Yeah, yeah. You might not know what to say. But if someone's actually opened up and said, you know, this happened to my dad and, yeah, it's nice really shit. It, yeah. You know, it's just nice to hear someone say, like, I'm really sorry to do that. Maybe something more than just silence, you know. Yeah, or silence. Because, yeah, a weird it glance. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> lack of eye contact. Like we just, in all in all, imagine if everyone could just be more open and be more kind to each other and... If someone's grieving, then you know they're going to... Maybe just give them a hug. Like, ask them if they want a hug. If they don't yeah, want one, yeah, then yeah. that's fine. But, like, sometimes you just, you know, you just yeah. bottles up inside, you know. I remember yeah. being at work one time after work and having some drinks, as you do on a Friday yeah. night. <laughs> and then um, we were all, you know, had quite a few drinks or something. But there's someone started showing someone a picture of their dad or something and being like, oh, this is my dad, da-da-da-da. And I was sitting there just, like... I was at at that moment someone who was sitting next to me had just left I was just on the sofa on my own I just started crying and I just couldn't stop it right and like two people noticed and they were like are you okay yeah they did know and I think that's why they noticed and why they knew instantly and then like someone gave me a hug and then my boss was like do you want to go outside and chat which was the sweetest reaction I've ever had from anyone really yeah yeah and we went for a walk around the block and he just spoke to me about it he was like yeah I know and like he was relating to it but only because like his girlfriend's dad had died right that long ago yeah and he said yeah my girlfriend had the same thing you know it's really hard sometimes it just takes over you don't apologize like because I think that's a lot I don't know if you get the same but when you get upset I'm so sorry for crying and like burdening you with my emotions exactly but all this emotional baggage really why should we be apologizing Apologizing for yeah, that, you yeah. know, like we're just human, you know. Why are we apologizing for emotions? Why do we feel like we have to? But yeah. we do. We're not robots. Like no, exactly. So, we are not machines. I think I need to teach myself that lesson as well because I love, you know, I'm often giving people advice like you should just show your emotions. But I think I need to take a leaf out of that book. I guess when people tell me, you know, they've lost a loved one or a relative, I usually come back with, oh, I've lost a mother, or I've lost, you know, a grandparent. Because I think that sort of opens up the conversation yeah. a bit more. Because you know someone... That's how I start off, yeah. I agree. I think if you know someone can relate to you, it makes it a lot easier to talk to them. Yeah. Because I think it always comes down to that. Like, if someone's not dealt with that before, yeah. unless they're extremely empathetic, they don't really know what to say, and they don't know... They just want to tiptoe around you from then on. Yeah. Sometimes they don't yeah. even speak to you again because of it. And they're yeah. like, just in case they offend you or upset yeah. you. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think it's almost like that thing of like not wanting people to think that you're weak. You know, yeah. I think there is a certain element of that with work with them, women too now. 
I think it's a cycle mm-hmm. because you think, oh, I'm going to make someone feel awkward, so I'm just not going to say anything, and yeah. then it's just actually self-perpetuating sometimes I don't know yeah it's it is such a thin line you know because yeah. I think with anyone you know obviously talk, opening up conversations are just being like how are you you know instead of just being like oh how are you and not meaning <laughs> it it's like yeah but how are you yeah how like are really you? how are not you? just small talk because yeah. serious stuff like you know when someone that says oh hi how are you they don't even stop to no, set to no, hear no. what you said yeah they're just yeah. like oh hi are you and they just walk off and you're like <laughs> Do you actually care how I am? Or before you even said how you are, they just you turn around, yeah. they're not there. <laughs> would you say you're someone who allows yourself to grieve, or would you say you'd rather? Because I think I sort of let let my seep out, like now and again, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll think of a certain memory or something will trigger me, and then I'll just have a little cry. Sometimes you just have to let it come, don't yeah. you? <laughs> it's the same with me. Like most of the time, I don't think about it. Most of the time, I'm like, nope, I'm fine. I'm not thinking about it. And then other times I'll listen to a song on purpose that I know is going to make me cry, you know, one that's related to him, one he showed me. And I know I'm going to get upset, but it's like, it's fine, you know, sometimes you just got to feel that sadness. Otherwise it just bottles up. It does. And then you just come out and then you just have like a massive storm (laughs) brewing and it just all comes out in one go. Do you ever feel the guilt to moving on? Because, and I use that term, but I don't really like using it because you can't move on, can you? Because it's just about living your life, isn't yeah. it? And sometimes, yeah, I do definitely feel that guilt. Like sometimes when, when you enjoy yourself or something, you just think, oh, like, yeah. what's, why am I, definitely. should I be crying instead? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But I think I always have to try and remember that I know that that's not what you'd want. No, exactly. I know that, like, my mother really struggles with that and yeah, sort of yeah. wanting to just, she just feels so guilty about different things and so guilty she couldn't have saved him mm. that she just feels like well how can she really live her life and I think obviously it was only three years ago but you know it's taken her three years to actually try and think about something else and try and move on and live her life again I guess we can both sort of say that there isn't a time limit to grief because it never goes away fully it comes out, it? And yeah. sometimes when you don't even realize you might be feeling down one day and you're like and yeah. then, or if you achieve a certain milestone and you think oh I wish yeah. this person was here to see it they exactly. would have been so happy yeah. um, I recently said to a close friend of mine I, I just I think she was the only person I said this to other than my partner and I just said oh yeah um, it's, it was my mum's death anniversary or something and she didn't respond to my message for like three days and I thought oh what? maybe like she feels awkward or she just doesn't care or something but then she came back with a message and she said oh you know if your mum was here she'd have been so proud of you right now so that was really nice to receive mm. a message from her. But I also thought, oh, my God, did I put her in an awkward position by mentioning it in the first place? Maybe she was taking some time to think about how to respond in a nice way. I don't know. How do you react to something so awful when you just, you can't imagine what that's like? Mm. Most people don't yeah, have to. Yeah. Don't, most people don't have to deal with that, no, luckily. They don't, yeah. they don't have to deal with losing a loved one early on. But when they do, I think it's... Yeah, I suppose it does in a mm. horrible way. It makes you stronger, yeah. though, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes you more resilient. And that's not something you can learn. That's something you can only mm. sort of grow from as you experience life. And that's part of the whole whole mm. thing, really. Heather, if you want to qu- extract a quote from a book that you recently read okay. that really inspired you. Okay, well, I've been reading this book recently called The Art of Self-Invention. Yeah. Um, and it's about image and identity in popular visual culture. But um, I think it's a really interesting subject uh, topic for me right now because I think um, I'm actually looking into kind of social media and its effects on our mental health. Well, I'm going to read the quote yeah, to you and then I'll, <laughs> I'll summarise afterwards. Yeah, so I think the bit that was 
really, really poignant for me. Um, yeah. It was kind of talking about women sort of changing their identity um, based on the kind of emphasis placed on appearances yeah. by consumer culture dominated by the fashion, cosmetic, retail and advertising industries. Yeah. And kind of really surrounds a lot of that and basically sort of how we fashion our appearance and our personalities yeah. based on everything that we see, you know, whether it be film, cinema, whether it be adverts, and, yeah. you know, fashion. I think I grew up sort of reading fashion magazines a lot and yeah. I think it was quite good Can for me to... you have this image in your head of how someone, how you should look? Yeah, I think growing up as a young girl, obviously, like... Like I said, we didn't really have social media, did we? No, we didn't really not until a bit later. No, yeah. so that was my way of kind of, I don't know, like that was what I sort of looked at. But then I felt so inadequate, you know. I really? think I was using yeah. these magazines to sort of draw. And, you know, I think definitely this book kind of talks a lot about all the things that you, we, as women, we grow up with and feel like we really have to, you know, be this conform kind of, to this. Conform, yeah. yeah. And I think obviously, you know, it's basically this kind of summary of. To summarise, I think, you know, obviously society expects us to look at a certain way and that's kind of light-skinned, straight-haired, blonde or blue-eyed, you know. Yeah. Obviously it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's The ideal image, yeah, the completely. Ideal. And like, yeah. Every, for man, like so many years everyone has been, you know, trying to look that way. But yes. I think it is, again, I think we're in times where they're changing and I yes. think... To be fair, like we probably have to lend quite a lot of um, responsibility to social media for that. Yeah. Because obviously now people can be like, yeah, but they can start questioning these ideals mm. and be like, yes. yeah, but it's actually stupid to say that all women are beautiful just because they're light skinned. What? Yeah. You know, that's it doesn't a make massive any sense. thing. And, and, you know, big, big conglomerates and corporations and cosmetics brands mm. make money off the fact that women are so insecure through yeah. these skin lightening creams, for example. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I think there was something quite interesting that yeah. I read about a while back um, that was basically, I forget where the source was, but it was kind of this story of um, someone, of the, these people that did a, a test mm. that went and asked these young people in, like, I can't remember which country it was, but it was basically kind of this, you know, third world country. Right. What, yeah. You know, they showed them images of women and said, what What What's do you think beautiful? is beautiful? Yeah. And they pointed to all the curvy women really? and the larger women. But then after a little while, they showed the magazines um, with all these women in and they did the test again. Right. And that you can guess what happened. They yeah. changed their views yeah. after they'd seen these images. Based on what they saw, yeah. They changed and they got showed the same pictures again and they chose the slim women. Yeah, you know, how much does that taint our perceptions of what's ideal and what's perfect? It yeah. completely changes us, doesn't it? One, can, one glance, that's yeah. all it takes. But thank you very much for coming on the show, Heather. It's been a pleasure having thank a chat you. with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much to all our listeners for tuning in today. Take care. Bye. Thank Bye. Thank you for listening to Brown Don't Frown podcast. If today's discussion interested you or you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Brown Don't Frown Podcast and on Twitter at BDF Podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Frown Podcast. Please like, share and subscribe. Thank you.